Okay, <laughs> it's good to see you uh, there if you're online with us. Uh, hopefully uh, you, you got us back there. Uh, let me get mine reset here too, if I can get exit out. Make sure I'm on the right one. Okay, I'm there too now, so <laughs> glad to have you with us, uh, especially if you're there on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, any of those platforms, be sure to heart, to like, to share, subscribe, follow, click the notification bells, retweet us on Twitter, and I know it's not called Twitter anymore, it's X, so just do whatever you need to do there. And then also want to say welcome to those on our phone live streaming uh, there too. If you need that number, I'll be glad to give you that number. Uh, I'll try to talk slower because I had a, a tooth pulled yesterday, wasn't anticipating that, anticipated it next week, next Thursday. And so I had to have it pulled yesterday because of some infections, so it's a little bit sore still. The more I talk, the sore it gets. So. Uh, ben says, that's, yay. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe you won't talk so much. I doubt that, but I'll just be in a lot of pain afterwards. <laughs> we want to encourage you to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com to the website there. Uh, under the info tab, you can download the worship bulletin there for this week. Uh, the children's worship bulletins there also for ages three and up and ages seven and up. Those are in the windowsill to my right uh, over here also. So be sure uh, to get those downloaded. And then under that same tab, is our prayer list so I encourage you to take the time to get the prayer list uh, downloaded there uh, we've added some people to that we're going to go over uh, several of those uh, tonight to give you some updates and then while you're on the church website there also go to the far right hand side click the give online tab uh, you can do that real easy to do your online regular giving you can do the giving for the uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering uh, coming up not this Sunday but the following Sunday we're going to begin emphasizing our offering for Annie Armstrong for North American missions so want to encourage you to be thinking about that also but continue to help us reach that goal for Lottie Moon and then also don't forget the Hoosier One cards we still have those keep coming in so uh, thank you for that uh, we've, I've got one that I know I need to put on before Sunday uh, over on the, the cross here, but want to encourage you to pick one of those up in front of the pulpit here uh, on the back of the blue part. If you'll write the name of the individual you want to pray for, uh, tear that off. It's just a preparation piece there. Tear it off, place it in the offering plate, and we'll uh, record that name down uh, in a list because we're giving out a, a list to people, uh, cards anyway, of those individuals in the month of March for other people to pray for as well as you're praying for that individual. Use the bookmark here to pray through the scriptures there. Uh, but also, if you use the Bible app, uh, go under the Bible app and, and search there uh, for your church. Uh, let it have that settings there where it'll search for your church. Uh, you'll find our church there. And under that, one the uh, Bible reading plan that you'll find there is Hoosier One 40-day devotional uh, plan. So I want to encourage you uh, to go ahead and get prepared for that as we'll be beginning that uh, in the month of March. You can go ahead and start that early uh, if you want to. So just wanted to let you know of those things, to be aware of all of that. Um, and uh, I think that's all that I have for now. we got a lot of updates to give you in a moment. So Brother Mike. Take your hymnals and turn to number 12, hymn 12, Great is the Lord. We'll sing that one and praise the Lord through that song. Miss Pat. Great is the Lord, he's holy and just. By his power we trust in his love. Great is the Lord, he is faithful and true. By his mercy he proves he is love. Great is the Lord and worthy of glory. Great is the Lord and worthy of praise. Great is the Lord. Now lift your voice. Now lift your voice. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. By his power we trust in his love. Great is the Lord, he is faithful and true. By his mercy he proves he is love. Great is the Lord and worthy of glory. Great is the Lord and worthy of praise. Great is the Lord, now lift up your voice, now lift up your voice. 
the most difficult thing with this with my mouth is to stop the bleeding and so I still have some of that I think the more I move my mouth the more <laughs> I bleed there so uh, take your prayer list there I forgot to tell you this earlier uh, there to remind you uh, that if you have access to Facebook go to Facebook uh, there to comment and give us any prayer requests any updates uh, that you may have uh, as that's the only place we'll see it on the live we'll see it on the others if you want to send it that way you can also call the church office and just leave uh, the information there with Miss Amy tomorrow uh, so I want to encourage you to take the time uh, to do that so if you will take a look at our Highland Baptist Church uh, family side uh, and we're just going to go ahead and go down the family uh, part here and see if there are any updates that you may have any that we can remove any that we need to add to the Highland Baptist Church family side so we have Carolyn and SW Stone if you have any updates stop me as we go through and we'll make mention of those uh, Vicki Boswell Mike Durham uh, brother Arthur Hardgrove uh, Betsy Farrell David Hess, uh, who is cancer-free, and also uh, just continue to pray for his dad, Jim. So we praise the Lord for that. Uh, so we probably could remove David from our prayer list there. Uh, remember George Duncan uh, with his medical treatments and issues that he's going through. Uh, Miss Leona Ross. Uh, Mark Raymond. Uh, he has some ongoing issues, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, Sandra Wells. I know Miss Sandra watches us regularly. Uh, there, she said good evening all on Facebook there. So glad to have you with us. Miss Jewel Farrell, she has some ongoing issues too. Bill Warren uh, does also, so keep him in your prayers. Rick German was here with us this past Sunday, uh, but he had hurt his foot, and so <laughs> that's put him out of his work stuff a little bit uh, there. And so it kind of goes from one thing to another, he said. Uh, so do keep him in your prayers as his foot continues to heal. Uh, pray for Brian Tate, he has some medical issues. Also, Cindy Jordan, uh, Wade Hall, and then remember Jack Doubt. Uh, we have him down there as home recovering. He made a comment on Facebook here, too, that uh, he's feeling much better after surgery. So thank you for giving us that update, Brother, Brother Jack. Uh, and so we praise the Lord for that after he had his uh, heart surgery. Uh, remember Miss Rosalie Moore. Uh, she is not doing well. Uh, some of the family were called uh, yesterday, I believe it was, to come uh, this week uh, to see her. Uh, I think Miss uh, Rima went to see her today. I've not heard any latest update on her other than that she's not doing well, not eating, not drinking. Uh, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Brother Marlon Bates, uh, nothing has changed from the update uh, as of this morning unless somebody knows something different than I do. Uh, his uh, vitals had improved some. They were backing him off of the, the ventilator some. Uh, with the hopes of eventually getting him to the place where they could do the scope to do that to see what's going on internally there. Uh, but as far as I know, that had not been done uh, yet. So he is still in, in a very critical situation. So we want to encourage you to keep him in your prayers. Anybody else have any more than that? Okay. Okay, so they've got him off all the sedation, hoping they can get him off the ventilator maybe tomorrow. Okay, and just a little fever trying to figure out where that's from. So keep him, keep his wife Joe, and keep the family uh, in your prayers with that. Marlene Parker has asked us to pray for her. Her cancer uh, is back. Uh, I think from what she told me, she's going to be doing some radiation treatment. So keep her in your prayers uh, with all of that. And then Miss Imogene Smith and her family and the passing of her daughter Cindy, uh, they are doing the visitation tonight 
Uh, so some have left to go do uh, that, to go to the visitation there. Uh, if you uh, wanted to take some food, when I talked to Erla, her daughter, uh, a while ago when I was there, uh, she said you could just, individuals are bringing stuff to Miss Imogene's, and then the family is gathering there at times throughout the day. Uh, so they'll pick up stuff from there, or eat there, and then take stuff back home with them uh, to eat. So just keep, uh, keep that in mind. If you wanted to take anything, take it over to Miss Imogene's, and they'll get it from, from there. All right, any others on the Highland Baptist Church family side? Okay, on the friends and family side, want to continue to remember the people of Ukraine. Uh, remember the uh, Calgary Mission Partnership. I uh, remember Katie Jo Bailey, she continues with her issues with leukemia. I uh, remember Sarah Jernigan, who is uh, uh, Sherry Jernigan's sister, uh, who has medical issues. She's in the hospital in, or somewhere there in Chattanooga uh, in an induced coma, so keep her in your prayers. Remember Amanda Harris, uh, this is Mark Smith's niece who has breast cancer. Uh, Greg Renfro, I still haven't had an update from Bell uh, on him. But the last update we had, and this has been uh, over a year now uh, that he was waiting for a kidney transplant. Uh, so keep him in your prayers. Hoyt Farrell, uh, he is in Manchester uh, in a facility there. So we may move him down to the nursing home assisted living facilities there uh, once we know the name of that. I'll try to get that from Brother Bobby. Uh, to get that listed where we can put him down in the nursing home part there. Uh, and then also, uh, remember Buddy Saunders, who is Charles Saunders' uh, brother. He still has some ongoing medical issues. Remember Mamie Thompson. Uh, this is uh, Amy Raymond's mom. Uh, keep her in your prayers. Uh, Tracy Strobe, uh, who is on dialysis. It was a request from Vicki Boswell. Remember Ryan Bond, who still has cancer also. Remember Rhonda Morris. Still some ongoing pain there and stuff, but she's in a much better uh, place than she was before. They consider her cancer-free, so we praise the Lord for that. She'll continue to have some tests done every year to, to see where she's at with that, but as of now, she's cancer-free. I uh, want to remember Lisa Pitts, who is Linda Smith's sister, who has medical issues. Herb Taylor, uh, who has cancer. Uh, and is that his dad? No, that's a friend. Okay. I don't remember on that one. I know his dad was on here, and I don't remember what the name. Hmm. The dad would be Smith. <laughs> yeah. So um, remember Herb Taylor, that's one that Mark Smith asked us to place on there. Uh, Tammy Sparkman, who has bone cancer. This is the granddaughter of Leona Ross. Remember Debbie Pancratus and her family. Um, she has cancer. Uh, Lauren Lee had asked for prayer for her. As, prayer for Bill Hargrove, who is Ann Smith's father. Uh, he is doing a little better, but still has uh, some ongoing issues that will still continue to be there with him. Remember Yvonne Ortiz? Uh, with, uh, that's one that Brian has asked prayer for. Brian Tate has. Uh, remember Christine Cranford, who is Patricia Durham's mom. Uh, her skin cancer is back, so continue to keep her in your prayers. Uh, and I don't remember. She told me an update Sunday, and I forgot uh, what she had told me on her. <laughs> so... Uh, remember Charles Blevins. Uh, remember Kim Tucker. This is one that Stan Smith asked us to place on the list. Uh, Wilbur Warren, who is Bill Warren's brother, he has some ongoing uh, issues, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, Charles Miller, who is uh, Matt Kohler's uncle, he also has some ongoing issues to keep him in your prayers. Uh, Linda Ray has an upcoming procedure. She's had multiple procedures over and over. She's got an upcoming one this coming Monday again, so keep her in your prayers. Pat said she don't know how many more of these procedures she could be able to go through, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, Laura Hendricks, who is the daughter of Becky Moffitt, uh, she uh, should be about to finish her treatments, but do keep her uh, in your prayers. Sandy McKinney uh, was a request from Judy Stockdale. I remember her, remember Doug Ray. Uh, who's recovering from surgery. I think Doug Ray uh, was doing better. Um, that's Linda Ray's uh, husband. And so uh, do still keep him in your prayers there for tonight. Uh, and we'll see if we can remove him for next week. Uh, Andy Taylor, who is Nancy Ritchie's brother who has cancer, keep him in your prayers. Ricky Hereford, uh, who began his radiation treatments at the beginning of the year, so he still has several more to go through with that. Uh, Bill and Kay Goff, I have not had an update from them. I need to try to get a hold of them tomorrow. Uh, but they are both uh, with difficult situations there. They're looking at what to do with his colon cancer. Uh, she uh, has dementia, and so keep her uh, in your prayers too. And then Joanne Woodson, uh, who's recovering from surgery. Uh, Pat Williams had requested that one. Madison Barnett, who has uh, Ewing sarcoma cancer. 
And then Angela Wallace, who has some medical issues, Leanne Wells had asked for this one, and then the family of Cindy Smith, of course, the daughter of Imogene Smith, uh, as we had mentioned on the Holland Baptist Church family side there for you to remember her in prayer. Any other friends and family that we need to add? Don't see any on Facebook, any in here? Okay, on the nursing home assisted living uh, section, we have Mary Campbell, who's at NHC, Peggy Eggleston at Life Care, Bertie Davis, who's at Brookdale, uh, Miss Janet Carter, who's at MacArthur Manor, Floyd Prince and Sue Prince, who are at Morning Point, Miss Beverly Daniels at Morning Point, have visited with Miss Beverly Daniels uh, last week and, uh, and last week and then talked with her this week. and. Uh, just keep her in your prayers. Uh, she still will have some ongoing issues there, but it, she's in good spirits and, and seems to be adjusting uh, well there to Morning Point and seems to be getting good care there, so keep her in your prayers. Myra Watson uh, is still, uh, her situation is still a dire situation. They uh, have, ha have hospice in. Uh, when I was there to visit her on Monday, uh, they didn't expect her to make it through that night, maybe at the latest last night, but she is still hanging on. Uh, Kim Whitmore went and saw her yesterday, and her situation's still much the same. But so keep that family in your prayers as it's just a matter of time for her. I'll give him in just a second. I, we don't have him on the list there. We need to have him on the list. Okay, and then Susie Barton is also at Morning Point. I did speak to her uh, on Monday when I was there also, found her in the hallway doing therapy, and uh, she was in good spirits uh, there too. Roger Williams had his knee replacement surgery. He is back at home. Uh, pray for Kay. <laughs> She's having to be nurse. <laughs> pray for Roger that he'll be a good patient. <laughs> and so uh, just uh, keep them in your prayers. But he seems to be doing well. Uh, when we were there to visit him at the hospital um, on Tuesday, Monday, uh, he was, uh, they already had him up that afternoon, uh, getting out of the bed, walking the next day. They were going to do the walks where he could go up steps and stuff. Therapy is going to be coming into the home uh, to do therapy with him at home, so they won't have to go places for that. Uh, and that'll be for two weeks, I believe it is, and then he will go to the facility for th any therapy that he needs to do beyond that. So, but everything seemed to do well uh, from that, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, that would be on the Highland Baptist Church family side there. Any others? We possibly could have missed someone, so just want to make sure we didn't miss anyone. If you're at home, be sure to comment there on Facebook. Uh, that's where we can see it on the live. I know there are nine of you watching right now live. So <laughs> uh, if you want to comment there on any prayer requests you have, even if we don't mention those right now, we will try to catch it at the end. Uh, if I don't forget that, uh, to add those individuals at the end. I don't see any more, so let's go to the Lord in prayer for these, as well as many others that you may have. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and the blessings that you have upon us. Lord, we thank you for life itself. We thank you for your protection over us. We thank you for your provisions uh, for us. And Father, we just pray that you will make your presence known to us in a powerful way, especially here tonight as we come before your throne of grace in prayer. Lord, there are many who are needing your healing touch upon their bodies, and so, Father, we pray that you would uh, just touch them in a powerful way to bring that healing that they need. Uh, Father, you are the great physician, and so we thank you, Lord, that you can bring that healing. Uh, Lord, as we've asked for forgiveness of our sins, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, cleanse us with the blood of Christ and that none of that would hinder our prayers with you. So just want to make sure we have that out of the way in our hearts, Lord. Uh, but, Father, we just want to pray these individuals, some of these are hurting, some of these are going through uh, very dire situations, some near death's door. Uh, Lord, we not only want to lift up these individuals, especially if those are their Christians, that their passing will be peaceful. Father, we want to uplift their family members and just ask for you to wrap your loving arms around them and to bring comfort and peace to their hearts as, as they're going through this with their family members. Father, I pray that they would hold tighter to you than ever before, and they would hold to those precious memories they have of their loved ones. And Father, for many others who may not be at that place yet, but they are uh, still struggling through their therapies or struggling through their treatments, Father, I pray that uh, you would have your healing hand upon them. You are the great physician, and we just ask God for you to bring that healing to them. We know that you can, that you're able. There's nothing that's impossible for you to do. We just come before you, Lord, asking that you would intercede on behalf of these individuals and divinely intervene to bring uh, that healing that they need, not just for their sake, but especially for your name's sake, 
that we could use uh, those testimonies, Lord, of your powerful hand at work and your grace and your mercy to testify to a lost and dying world uh, of the saving grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, that there is hope in Jesus Christ if we would trust in him. So, Father, I pray for those uh, individuals who are hurting right now physically as well as spiritually, emotionally. Maybe they're hurting financially or hurting in their families. Lord, we pray for you to shower them with your grace. You promised in your word that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs, and we ask, Lord, for you to shower them with that. Lord, we know your word says that you are our shepherd, and if you are our shepherd, we shall not want. And so, Father, we stand on that promise also, Lord, that, that all of our wants and our needs would be provided for. Uh, Lord, there may be some things that we didn't mention individually tonight that we're each struggling with. Uh, Father, those things are no less important. And so we just uplift those unspoken requests uh, to you, Lord, and ask for you to meet uh, those needs. Father, we pray that if there are individuals that we're uplifting in prayer tonight on this list who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, I pray, Father, that uh, you would divinely... Uh, just uh, send people across their path uh, to be a witness to them. Use us to be a witness to them in whatever way uh, that, they, that we can. Uh, Father, I pray that we would be able to show them and demonstrate to them the love of Christ as well as speak to them uh, the gospel message. Uh, but Father, we just pray for you to use these situations they're going through to bring them to the place of trusting in Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. So Lord, I pray that uh, you would be with us tonight as we come to the book of Malachi. Uh, as we open your word, may it be powerful, may it be alive, may it be sharper than any two-edged sword. And we just give you the glory and the honor for what you're about to speak to us through this book. May we understand the application for our lives uh, tonight. And Father, I just pray for your will to be done through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So if you will, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Malachi. If you don't know where that's at, find Matthew's Gospel in the New Testament there, and it's the book right before it. We're just going to be looking at the first five verses. But there's a lot that's packed into these first five verses, so we're going to hit the ground and keep moving as quickly as we can uh, as we're a little bit later uh, on, our, on our prayer time here. So uh, Malachi chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And I may have to stop a few times to drink a little bit of water there. Um, so forgive me for that. <clears throat> so as we look at God's Word here, finding the last book here in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, uh, today we begin this new series here in the book of Malachi. Let me ask you a question here before we get into the text here. When you were a child, was there ever a time that you doubted that your parents loved you? I mean, did you ever wonder if they really loved you? Or maybe you said in anger because they didn't let you have something that you wanted. You don't love me. If you loved me, you would give this to me, or you would do this for me, or you would take me to this place. Well, you know, we sometimes say that. I mean, sometimes after maybe you got a spanking even. Uh, sometimes uh, when you wanted them to give you something and, and they wouldn't give it to you or they wanted you to do something and, uh, and, uh, or to, and you, they, you wanted something uh, and they wouldn't give it to you or you wanted to go somewhere and you didn't get your way and you started doubting your parents' love and then later you grew up and you realized how silly and how immature that was. Well, in Malachi, we're going to be dealing with some immature people who doubted God's great love for them. And there are some people today even uh, who are having financial difficulties, who are having health problems, some people who are having financial problems, uh, some people who aren't getting what they want, who aren't getting to do what they want to do. There are people who are in, in difficulties who may be doubting God's love. Uh, they're in a situation and they're thinking, I'm going through this, I must be going through this because God doesn't love me. Well, Malachi, he lived at the end of an age, and the people there were indifferent, they were insensitive, and sometimes they were disrespectful in their relationship to God. Uh, they were very much like the people who, lived in the end of, who live in the end of this age. Uh, many people today don't really know where to turn, and it was very similar uh, with the people in Malachi's day. And what God said to Malachi, I feel certain God is saying to the people of our day. Malachi prophesied around 450 B.C. in Israel. 
So and to put that in context, that's about 450 years before the book of Matthew begins the story of the gospel. Now, the book of Matthew was written much later than that, but it, it begins, that story of the gospels there begins with the birth of Christ, and so this was 450 years before the birth of Christ in Israel. He was one of the last inspired prophets before the 400-year uh, time of, of no speaking from God, of silence from God, uh, of, of silence of divine revelation between the Old Testament and Jesus Christ. So for 400 years, at least, uh, there was no word from God through any prophet. So Malachi is one of those last prophets who speak. The Israelites had returned at this point in time uh, from the Babylonian exile. Uh, Jerusalem has been rebuilt. The temple has been restored. But the people hadn't learned the lessons that they needed to learn from the exile. In fact, what we're going to see as we study through Malachi is we're going to find that they had grown skeptical of God's love. We're going to see that in verse 2. They had grown careless in their worship. We're going to find that in verse 7. Uh, they had grown indifferent to the truth of the Word of God in chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. And they had grown disobedient to the covenant of God. You'll see that in chapter 2 and verse 10. And they had grown faithless in their marriages. Uh, that's in later in chapter 2, verse 15, and again in chapter 3, verse 5. And then finally, they had grown stingy in their offerings in chapter 3 and verse 8. And so it's to this uh, carnal, rebellious people that God sends his messenger, Malachi. Now, that's what the name Malachi means. It means my messenger. And the first message that he put on his lips was, we're going to get into this in just a moment, was that I have loved you, says the Lord. The first verse, though, as we come to it, look at verse 1, tells us the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Now, you'll remember there were some other Old Testament prophets that that word oracle was used, Amos being one of those in particular. Uh, and that word oracle is not just meaning sayings or speaking. In fact, that word oracle means burden. It meant that in Amos, and it means that here in Malachi. So the oracle means a burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. So uh, God had given Malachi a burden. The word of the Lord is often called a burden in the Old Testament. So what is, uh, what do you suppose that is, the burden there? Well, I think there's at least two reasons for this burden. One is, is that the Word of God is never to be taken lightly. It's never to be uh, taken insignificantly. It's always to be weighty and serious and, and heavy. Uh, I mean, I don't mean dull. I don't mean boring or, or, or morose there. I mean that it's always substantial. Uh, there's always uh, meat and truth in His Word. There's no delusion in the Word of God. In fact, uh, it's meaty. Even when you are partaking of what we would term, what Peter terms, the milk of the Word, uh, there's still sustenance there. There's still meat in that, uh, as well as there is in the deeper truths, which are the meat of the Word of God. So the Word of God comes to a prophet as a burden because it's so thick and so rich in truth, it becomes heavy and weighty on him that he has to deliver this heavy message to the people of God. The other reason that the Word of God is called a burden is because even when it's good news, many times that good news is going to be rejected by others. And so you could just imagine the burden that places on the prophet, much less preachers who preach the Word of God, the Gospel of God, and the Gospel goes forth. It becomes a burden upon them because uh, it's a good news that goes forth to people, but many people continue to reject it. And you remember if you look back at Isaiah, Isaiah, he groaned under the weight of, the, of his preaching ministry in Isaiah 6 verse 11. And it says, then I said, Isaiah did, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste. Now, if you're a preacher, a prophet here, Isaiah, who having to speak that, knowing God say, he says, how long, Lord, is this going to be that I have to keep preaching this message? And he says, till it's all laid waste. Till people, uh, are, are, people are without houses, the land is a desolate waste. 
That's a heavy burden for a prophet of God who's having to deliver God's Word to carry on their shoulders and to keep taking that same message. I mean, people want to hear a good word. People want to hear an encouraging word. They don't want to hear about God's judgment. Uh, so why is uh, this such a burden? Because even the wonderful things that Isaiah spoke about made the heart of the people fat and their ears heavy and their eyes shut. And so he cries out in Isaiah 53 and verse 1 and says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So the word of the Lord is a burden because many times when it goes forth, it meets with opposition. Now, words that are designed for life, that's what the gospel message is, becomes sometimes the aroma of death for those who are perishing because they reject that message. And so Malachi starts out there in verse 1 to say, this is a burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. And then we come to verse 2, and he says to God's people in verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord. Now, is that not the message of the gospel? I have loved you so much, I sent my only begotten son, Jesus, to down the cross for your sins. He says to the people of Israel, I have loved you. But notice what the verse goes on to say. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. So in verse 2, he says, I have loved you. And they say, oh, oh, you've loved us? Where have you loved us? The implication is, God, if you really loved us, why are we having so much trouble? If you really loved us, why am I having all these problems? We question that. Many people question that today. They question God's love towards them, uh, thinking, God, why are so many bad things happening to me? If you truly love me, you wouldn't let all these bad things happen to me. And so they're saying, oh, you've loved us. Where have you loved us? God, if you really loved us, X, Y, Z. And so this is the first of seven disrespectful sarcastic questions that the people of God ask God in the book of Malachi. And the very first is here, how have you loved us? And so it's almost with the sneer in their voice that they say, oh yeah, well if this is love, no thanks. I don't want any part of it. And there are many who have that kind of attitude to the situations they're going through today. And that's the idea. Where have you loved us? Oh God. Now you would think for a silly question, they would get a silly answer. Uh, I mean, think for an insincere question that they would get an insincere answer, like the conductor who was on a train and the train stopped and the lady said, why is the train stopped? And the conductor said, well, we hit a cow and they're cleaning the cow out of the cow catcher on the train. And she said, oh, he's on the track? <laughs> he said, no, ma'am, we had to chase him all over the field in order to hit him. <laughs> of course he was on the track. It's a silly question. You would think for a silly question that God would give a silly answer, a sarcastic answer. Sometimes you do see that uh, in Scripture uh, as he answers their question with ridicule of them. But he doesn't do that here. He, he's not like us. God answers very, very sincerely uh, about the love of God, and he gives them four statements about God's mighty love. And I want to give those four statements to you, those four truths, because some who are listening tonight may be doubting God's mighty love, especially if you're not getting your way, especially if you're having difficulties and problems and you're wondering, does God love me in the midst of my problems? Here's the first truth I want you to see. It comes in verse 2 and verse 3. Is that God's, God loves with a sovereign love. God loves with a sovereign love. Love. Now, there's some theology in this that we're going to look at in these two verses here. Uh, and so, first of all, let me tell you how God loved those people and how God loves you. So, let's read those two verses again. He said, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau I have hated. 
I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals, to the jackals of the desert. So, number one, he loved them with a sovereign love. Now, Jacob and Esau, if you know the story in Genesis, they were brothers, twin brothers. Uh, God says, I loved one of them and I hated one of them. Well, right away, that begins to cause us a lot of theological questions. So what on earth does this mean? Well, let's pause here for a moment and look at what this means so that we can gain a bigger context and understanding of the rest of these verses uh, as we go through this. You see, there are some people who read this, and then you read over in Paul's commentary on it, in the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, he talks about this very issue, this very thing. And some look at Paul's commentary, and they say that this means that before these babies were born, God had determined one baby is going to go to heaven, the other baby is going to go to hell. They call that, what some people hear sometimes, unconditional election. Uh, that God simply elects or predestines some to go to heaven, some to go to hell. Uh, you ever heard that? Sure, we've heard that. But let me tell you something. God wants every person to be saved. And God has never predetermined anybody would go to hell. So let me show you what God did not mean before I tell you what God did mean. Here's one of the things God did not mean when he says this, uh, that he loved Jacob, but I hate Esau, have I hated. So God did not mean that anybody is predestined for hell and that there's nothing that that person can do about it. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 and verse 4 says this, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You could underscore that in your Bibles, that word, all people. It doesn't say some people. It doesn't say the good people. It says God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then verse 5 and verse 6 goes on to say, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For the, and so uh, underscore there that word all, that word all. Uh, it says there, he gave himself as a ransom for who? For all. Not some, uh, not particular people, but for all. Now, the Bible says Jesus Christ died for every person. The Bible says that God wants all to be saved. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, that the Lord is not slow or slack concerning his promise, to fulfill his promise of some count slowness, but is patient toward us, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So that would be contrary, those scriptures we've looked at right there, would be contrary to the idea to say that God has predetermined some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. Uh, because then that would mean he doesn't want all. He's already predetermined who the all would be. Uh, and so uh, it tells us there that it's all that, that have, uh, he has died for, that he has made a way for. And so we also know from the Scripture that individuals cannot come unless God draws them. But listen to what the Word of God says in John chapter 12 and verse 32. John chapter 12, 32, it says, And I, this is Jesus speaking, He says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And so understand this truth that the Holy Spirit of God has already drawn all people to the Lord Jesus Christ when Jesus himself was lifted up. Every time you share the gospel, you're lifting the name of Jesus Christ up. And God is using that to draw people to himself. And so understand that the Holy Spirit of God has already drawn all men to the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a God of love who gives everyone an opportunity to be saved. And Jesus Christ looked at those who refused him with a broken heart. And here's what he said in John chapter 5 and verse 40. He said, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. He doesn't say that they couldn't come. 
In other words, if they couldn't come, then you could possibly say it's already been determined. They couldn't because they've already been damned to hell themselves. And so he doesn't say they couldn't come. He says that they wouldn't come. They willed in their will not to come. Uh, you could write in your Bible there by that passage in Malachi chapter 1, verse 2 and verse 3, the, the passage 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, because this is where it really comes down to, uh, where that passage in Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 2, to those who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So here God describes, we know there are elect, the Scripture talks about it. So what are the elect? Uh, are there some that are elected to heaven and some that are elected to hell? That's what some people would say here. So here God describes it as elect according to the foreknowledge of God. So election is based on the foreknowledge, not the predetermination, the predestination. God knows the future. And when God sees those in the future who will trust Him, they become His elect. The Bible says, whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to become to the image of Christ. It's based in the foreknowledge. So God didn't just simply choose Jacob to go to heaven, and God didn't choose Esau to go to hell, but God saw into the future there and saw Jacob would have a heart for him and that Esau would not. Jacob would have a, a spiritual sensitivity, if you will, and Esau wouldn't. Each had a right to choose himself. The elect are the whosoever wills. The non-elect are the whosoever wants. It's their choice that they make that determines whether you're going to heaven or whether you're going to hell. You have a free gift to receive. So let's continue to read here. Look again in verse 3. But Esau, I have hated. So he said, I love Jacob in verse 2. And then in verse 3 he says, I hated Esau. Now that gives us another problem, doesn't it? Because, I mean, how could God hate somebody? What in the world does he mean there? Well, this isn't hate in the sense of the term that we use often for hate. It's not an emotional hate that's being talked about here. It's not a personal animosity. God doesn't have any of those childish, wicked feelings in his heart. No, all that means is that he preferred one above another because one chose him and the other didn't. Let me show you how that word hate is used in the Bible. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus is talking about being his disciple, that if you want to be his disciple, here's what you have to do. So verse 26 says this in Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, that's what Jesus said. Well, I want to tell you, I loved my father, and I love my stepfather, and I love my mother, and, and I love my kids, and I love my wife, and I love my grandkids. Uh, so does that mean I can't be a disciple of Jesus? Not at all. Not at all. If you understand how God is using this word here when he says that we're to hate them. What it simply means is preference. He, what he's talking about and all he's talking about, Jesus is saying, you must prefer me above all others. I must be first above all others. He's certainly not teaching us to hate our father, to hate our mother, because that would be contrary to the scriptures that tell us we're to honor our father and mother. He says... We're, we're to, he's not teaching us there to hate our father, our mother, our brothers, our sisters, our children. Not at all. And that's the same sense in which the word here, it, it, the word is used here in the book of Malachi. Just simply because here was a man named Jacob, and God didn't love Jacob for what he was, but he loved Jacob because he knew he could make out of him, what he knew he could make out of him, because Jacob would choose him. And there God set upon him his sovereign love. 
And so it's a sovereign love. Thank God for that love. Because remember that he didn't have to love us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says this, We love him because he first loved us. He chose to love us. Hallelujah for that. Jacob wasn't much to love if you go back and look at the story of Jacob. In fact, what did his name mean? Do you remember his name? It meant deceiver. It meant supplanter. So he wasn't much to love if you looked at him. But God took this man, Jacob, and made a prince out of him. So understand this. Learn this from this part. God does not change you so he can love you. He loves you so he can change you. Let me say that one more time so you get that. God does not change you so he can love you. He loves you so he can change you. You see, it's the very fact that he loves us no matter what and that, and, and that his love begins to work in us. There are some who, who may be in deep trouble today. Jacob was in a lot of trouble all throughout his life. If you read the life of Jacob, you're going to find out not only did he get in trouble, you're going to find out God planned his trouble. In fact, Jacob acknowledges what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So he went through a lot of bad things, but he understood God allowed him to go through those things for good, for God's glory and for his good. It didn't mean that God didn't love him. Sometimes we don't understand God's love. Sometimes it seems like what God is doing is so cruel and so callous. That's the way these people were so long ago. They doubted God's love. But I want to tell you, it is a sovereign love. And if you're in a difficult place, don't look at the circumstances to try to prove God's love. You look at God's character to prove his love. He loves you with a sovereign love. Secondly, he loves you with a strong love. Verse 3. Verse 3 again says, But Esau I have hated, I have laid waste his hill country, and left his heritage to jackals of the desert. So not only does he love you with a sovereign love, he loves you with a strong love, a tough love, if you will. So a tough love means that if, you, if you're a parent, you, you should have tough love towards uh, your kids. There's, you love them, but you're going to discipline them. And, and so God brought judgment upon wicked people. God is saying, I brought judgment upon wicked people as a proof of my love. Now, notice here that hate is proof of love. Did you know that? Did you know that you can't love without hating? If you don't have hate, you don't have love. Uh, you see, you can't have a quality without having the opposite of it. For example, you can't have hot if there is no opposite called cold. There can be no hot without cold. There can be no high without a low. There can be no big without small. There can be no love without hate. For example, if a judge loves justice, what is he going to hate? Crime. He's going to hate crime. If a doctor loves his patients... He, he loves to help them. He's going to hate the diseases that are ravishing their bodies. If people love God, they ought to hate sin. If you don't hate sin, the Bible tells us you don't love God. So what's he, what he's saying is, do you know the kind of love that you have? It, it, he's saying what you have, people, Israel, is a sentimental love. It's not love at all. It's not like God's love. God is saying, I love Jacob, and therefore I hate those that would harm him. And Esau had harmed Jacob, uh, the, the nation and his descendants. Again, it's not an emotional hatred. It's a choice against all that is wrong. There's a lot of, of hypocritical love going on around today that's not love at all. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and verse 10 says this, Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now, some versions say it this way, let love be without dissimulation. That word dissimulation, uh, you say, Pastor, what on earth does that mean? It means to let, it be with, let your love be without hypocrisy. Let it be without camouflage, without fraud, without pretense. In other words, let your love be real. 
And then he tells you what real love is in verse 9. He says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. If you love the sheep, you're going to hate the killer wolves. God says, I loved Jacob, therefore I hated Esau because of what they had done to the people of God. If we love God, then there are some things we ought to hate in this world. There's a whole long list of them that you can read, out, read about in the book of Proverbs over and over that tells us things that God hates. It, we ought to, if we love God, we ought to hate illegal drugs. We ought to hate pornography. We ought to hate wicked unbelief and doubt of God's Word. We ought to hate abortion. If you don't hate sin, then you're being a hypocrite. God's love is a sovereign love. It is a strong love. It's not a sentimental love. But God's love is also a steadfast love. Look at verse 4. It says, If Edom says, We are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, They may build, but I'll tear it down. And they will be called the wicked country and the people with whom the Lord is angry forever. So not only is God's love a sovereign love and a strong love, it's a steadfast love. In other words, it's not fickle. It doesn't change. God says, I'm going to keep on acting the same way that I've always acted. So Edom here represents Satan uh, that says, we're going to make a comeback. But God says, you can come back, but I'm going to knock it all down. Uh, so there's this perpetual warfare that happens in our lives. Ephesians talks about it, the spiritual warfare that happens in our lives, a perpetual warfare against sin. And we already know how it's going to end. God gets the victory in the end ultimately. He's already got the victory at the cross and the resurrection over death, hell, and the grave. We just need to receive that victory. And so sin cannot win, and faith cannot fail, and Satan sells a sinking ship, and Satan rules a doomed domain. So if you're going through trouble, and if you're going through difficulty, and if you think that God has forsaken you, he has not. Notice that God is not finished. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 to 26 says, Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of, to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So even now, even though there is victory for us that we can have eternal life, we still have to face the first death. But one day... There's not going to be any more death. There's not going to be any more pain and any more sorrow and any more suffering. Understand this, God is not finished yet. The devil keeps trying to make a comeback, but he's not going to make it. There was a poet who watched the waves out on the reef breaking and recoiling, but she noticed that even the, the waves seemed to fail and the tide just kept coming in. Priscilla Leonard, she wrote these words, On the far reef the breakers recoil in shattered foam, while the sea behind them urges it for its forces home. Its song of triumph urges o'er all the thunderous din. The wave may break in failure, but the tide is sure to win. And then this is what she said in her last stanza. She said, Almighty sea, thy message in clanging spray is cast. Within God's plan of progress, it matters not at last. How wide the shores of evil, how strong the reefs of sin. The wave may break in failure, but the tide is sure to win. That's what God is saying in this verse. Edom saying, we're going to rebuild. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to have our own way. But God says, oh, no. Listen, I have indignation forever. If you doubt God's love because you're in trouble, just wait. Because Revelation 11 verse 15 says, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's a promise of God's word you can stand on. And then finally in closing, God's, God's love is with a, God loves with a seeking love, with a seeking love. Look again at verse 5. Verse 5 says, For your own eyes shall see this. And you shall say, those who rose up against him and said, we're going to do whatever we want, and he brings calamity against them. Verse 5, he says, your own eyes shall see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. So there's one last thing here I want to say about God's mighty love. Not only is it sovereign, not only is it strong and steadfast, it is a seeking love. What is God saying? 
God is saying this love isn't just for the Jews. This, isn't, this love isn't just for Jacob. This love is for all the peoples beyond the borders of Israel. If you go on down and you look in verse 11, verse 11 says this, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name shall be great among the nations. And in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. That's us beyond the border of Israel. Hallelujah. It's for people who live in this day, from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same. There is no place where God's love does not seek. So finally, I want to say to those who may be listening, people uh, of all colors or conditions or circumstances or classes or characters uh, or all, uh, of, of companies of different uh, things, whatever, God loves you. Remember that. God loves you. First, in Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 18 and 19, where Paul is praying for the saints, he says, he's praying that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Back in the days of the Inquisition, they found in a prison where a man had carved in stone a cross. And on the left hand of that cross, near the, near the bruised and bleeding heart of God, he had written, breath. Uh, over here on the right hand, the hand of uh, omnipotence, he that rules the world, he had written, length. Down there at the bloody nail-pierced feet that, that walked those burning corridors of, corridors of hell for us, he wrote the word depth. And above the crown, the thorn-crowned head, he had written the word height. That is the dimension of God's love. There's no one God doesn't love. East, west, north, south. A person may go to hell unsaved, but they'll never go to hell unloved. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. William R. Newell wrote this. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. What a wondrous, amazing love of God's plan. Never let circumstances, never let Satan cause you to doubt the love of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage and this message tonight to remind us that you love us no matter where we are in our stage or age of life or our circumstance, our situation, no matter how bad things may be or how good things may be, you love every one of us. You want us all to come to salvation. We don't have to get cleaned up to come to salvation. That comes as a result of the salvation. So, Father, I pray to, tonight that if there are those who are watching online or maybe even present tonight, I don't pretend to know anybody's spiritual condition, but, Father, I pray tonight that you would speak the truth into their hearts. They would see and hear from this passage we've looked at tonight that you love them with a great and mighty love. You sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to down a cross for their sins, and all they have to do is to receive that free gift of salvation. Father, they won't go to hell without being loved because you've already loved them. So, Father, I pray they would see that love for them. And, Father, I pray that we as a church would take that message of love to the world around us to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ that there is anyone, doesn't matter what they've been involved in, can be saved because you love them. Father, help us not to ever let the circumstances or ever to let Satan cause us to doubt the love of God. Help us, Lord, to know that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, not principalities, not angels, not anything, Lord, in this earth, uh, nothing. There is nothing that can separate us from your love if we will trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So bless us, Lord, in the days ahead. Help us to live in the confidence of this passage that you love us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Well, thank you for joining with us tonight. Hope you had a, uh, enjoyed this uh, message tonight, that it made a, a great difference in your life. Uh, as I check back over to Facebook, uh, just from Rima Bell there, uh, please keep Rosalie Moore and her family uh, in your prayers. She rallied a little bit today, she said, but she's still weak and mostly unresponsive. So keep her uh, in your prayers. But thank you for being here with us uh, tonight. We look forward to seeing you Sunday, uh, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Brother Matt Ledbetter will be here uh, to bring the message in both services. So uh, looking forward to hearing him speak and share with us uh, God's word. They are on their way back from Mexico from their mission trip. So pray for them and their safety. Uh, him and Tim uh, from over at Grace, uh, as well as Anaro from the Spanish ministry there, and one other gentleman who's with them. Pray for God to keep them safe as they travel back. But you have a blessed week, a safe week. We'll see you this coming Sunday.